Well, hello. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? You having a good first Sunday in February, Super Bowl Sunday? Is anybody excited about the Super Bowl? Wow. There's a what's the uh, the booing must be people who don't like the Patriots, I guess. Is that <laughs> Go Saints. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh <laughs> How many of you, though, didn't even know that the Super Bowl was today? You just found out when I said it. Okay, we got a couple. We got a couple of those. That's, that's all right. That's, I know. I don't, I don't pay a lot of attention to it. But Well, welcome. I, I'm so glad to have you here with us this morning. My name is Taryn Howell. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Normally, uh, Rick is our lead pastor. He's out of town. He's going to be gone for these next two weeks. And so I get to start off this uh, and kick off this series that we're about to get into if you don't know, we just ended our 21 days of prayer and fasting this past Sunday, and it, it is an awesome time that we love to just kick off the year and refocus on God and what God has in store for us. And so this series we're moving to is a, very different, but I think is just going to add on, and uh, we'll, I think will be a real challenge for all of you, and I'm really excited about it. It's, it's called Everybody Always, and it's based on a book uh, by Bob Goff, if you've never heard of him, called... Everybody Always is the the title of the book. He also wrote one called Love Does. Maybe you've heard of that. But the basic premise of this book is that every, all of us are are called as Christians. If you are somebody who follows Christ, then uh, you are called to love everybody all the time. Every single person you come in contact with all of the time, which is just an incredibly high standard, right? That's not something that's like, oh, okay, I'll go and make that happen. Uh, I mean, this is something really tough, but he gives some real practical things uh, on how to do this. Uh, Just so you know, I'll move on in a second, but downstairs is our library, and there are some extra books down there. You can go and actually grab one and leave and uh, take it with you whenever you want after service is over. But uh, it's a phenomenal book and a great challenge for us, and we're going to see the the truths really in Scripture that are behind it uh, to apply to our lives through this. But before I get started, if you will, let's just go ahead and bow our heads and start off with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've blessed us with. We thank you for this time that we have together, God, as I'm speaking. Let it not be my words, but yours, Lord. Uh, Let any of my words fall short, but yours to ring true. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you move in here, that you show every single person what it is that they need to hear today so that they can be filled with your Holy Spirit and so that they can leave today, we can leave today changed in how we treat the people around us and the world around us. Help us to love the way that Jesus does and to love without conditions and to just just love everybody we come in contact with. Thank you for the way you love us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. This is kind of an introductory lesson, and there's... Uh, and I got a, a good challenge for you at the end, which I'll, I'm excited about, and you'll see when we get to it. But uh, this one, we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 10. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke 10, and uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, there's sermon notes in front of you that you can grab and read from there also. But this is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, you've, if you've never read the parable of the Good Samaritan, which I'm assuming that many of you have, but if you have not, if you've ever heard somebody talk about, well, that was somebody who did a good deed, they're a good Samaritan, that's where this comes from. 
It comes from this story, this parable that Jesus told. And so if you have read this and you have heard it many times, I just want to challenge you. Sometimes when we read the Bible, if it's something we've heard before, we have a tendency to kind of like just fly through it. But I want you to slow down and really try to take the truth out of what are being said in this to us and what challenges are there for us. And I want you to do something a little different too. As we're reading through it, take the individual people in this story and compare them to your own life. See where it is that you fit in. What, what kind of are their character qualities that you are like? See which person you are most like. And don't say Jesus, because everybody's like, no, I want to be like Jesus. That's who I No, but find the person that you are the closest to as we read this story and try to, try to see their character. Okay, let's start in chapter, in chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. We're going to read through. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? So here's the first person we come in contact with. He's this expert in the law. He's asking a question here, but he's not really wanting to find the answer to the question. It says he's trying to test Jesus here. And this is a very common question that Jesus was asked of, how, what do I do to inherit eternal life? He was, we saw other times in the scriptures when he's asked this. And Jesus replies in the same way that Jesus loves to reply with a question asking back to them. And he replied, what does the law of Moses say? Or, you know, Old Testament, what, is, what does the law of Moses say? And how do you read it? How do you interpret it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your strength and all of your mind. So love God with everything. And... Love your neighbor as yourself. So he quotes from Deuteronomy 6.5 here. So he's very, very wise, very scholarly, right? He's, he's quoting back. And then Jesus says, right, that's right. Uh, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Now I like to imagine, and this isn't really in there, but I like to imagine that there was this dramatic pause there. Because, uh, you know, when Jesus challenges you with something like this and he kind of puts it back on you, and you say, well, I know what you have to do. You've got to love God with every part of yourself, and then also love your neighbor. And Jesus says, right, do that. Then uh, the correct response really should have been, but I can't do that. Like, I'm failing at that. I mean, how many of us love God with everything we are all the time and love other people like ourselves? I mean, we, I, I don't do that very well. And so the, the correct response would be one of humility or submission, like, Jesus, show me how to do that. I, I miss out on that all the time. Show me, teach me, forgive me for when I get this wrong. But I, I think he, he probably paused and, talked and thought about it for a second because his answer really is one that he's trying to justify based on a technicality of what he just said. Verse 29 says, the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Like, wait, wait. Okay, I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, but... Can we just talk about who are those people? Because I don't want to have to love those people over there. And this was a very common thing, too. That even Jewish scholars would, would have these, you know, these experts in religion would uh, have these debates on, okay, is, is a neighbor really, is it somebody that's a Jew that lives near you? That's what a lot of people thought. And then other people would say, no, 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 it's, it's, it's more than that. It's a Jew that lives anywhere in the world. But it was very, very rare to find someone to say, no, your neighbor is everyone, whether they're a Jew or not. This was just the thinking. And so Jesus goes in to answer his question, and he does this. Uh, Jesus often answers a question in a much bigger sense because he's not just seeing what's going on inside the actual question and, and inside this man's head. He's seeing what's going on in his heart. 
and what he's really thinking about. So Jesus answers with a parable, and if you just don't know what a parable is, if you've never heard that before, a parable is a made-up story that Jesus tells in order to teach a lesson. It is a real story that he actually told. It's just one he made up to teach a lesson, just so you know. So Jesus replied with a story. This is in verse 30. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. But by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant then, or Levite in some uh, translations will say, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. So those are two more people that we're, we're, we're thinking about as we go through this. Then, verse 33, then a despised Samaritan. So this is kind of strange. Jesus calls him this. Jesus wasn't saying that he despised the Samaritan, but there was a lot of racial prejudice between the Jews and the Samaritans. A Samaritan was somebody that was really part Jewish, but they weren't a complete Jew. And so they, you know, they were really looked down on, and, and, and there was a lot of hatred back and forth. And so when he's saying despise, he's saying, because that's how people saw this person. This despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, the man on the road, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey. That meant he walked while he put the man on his donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, and I think this is really key the next day, because that means that the Samaritan stayed the night with the man in order to continue to take care of him. They didn't have... You know, you couldn't go to, like, Sacred Heart or Baptist or something. Like, if you find them, it just didn't work like that then. And so he was taking care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Then Jesus asked this incredibly obvious question. Now, which of these three, the priest, Levite, and the Samaritan, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. And then the man, because of, his, because of his intense racial bias, couldn't even say the Samaritan, he says, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So what, what I just explained to you, I want you to go and do for people. So not, not only did Jesus clarify who the neighbor was, because remember, that was his original question. Well, who's my neighbor? So Jesus told him who his neighbor is, but then he showed him, this is how you treat a neighbor. These, this, this is the way I expect you to love someone else. So he set a real standard for us in this. But I, I want to look at the, the people that, that we had in this story. And so we had first the expert in the law, the expert in the law, and he was very arrogant and prideful. You know, he came ready to test Jesus. He didn't want to love somebody just based on a technicality. It's like, well, if I don't have to love them, like if they're not in my territory of love, then I'm sorry, you're outside. I don't have to stop and help you. And then he also had, it was, had this racial bias. And then we moved to the priest and Levite. And just to kind of compare, it's not a great comparison, but a priest may be like a pastor nowadays and a Levite or temple assistant, somebody who really serves in the church. These are both very religious people. They would have been considered very holy people, very proud people, but they're also very busy and important 
and they might have been so important doing the Lord's work that they miss out on actually doing the Lord's work. I know I've been really guilty of this. It's like I can't stop and help you because I've got to go do something at the church. It's like, wait a second. Like how, how, how bad am I missing it there? But this is what they did. They, they missed out on this opportunity because they're, we assume, anyways, they're on their way to Jerusalem to the temple to go work. And so they, they pass by somebody. But then there is the Good Samaritan or despised Samaritan, however you want to say it, the Samaritan. And, and I think there's a couple different lessons that we can learn from him that we apply to ourselves. This is obviously the person that we want to be more like, that we, we want to filter our lives through. And so I'll go one at a time through these, and then we'll talk about it. The Samaritan, his standard for how to treat someone was very high. He had a very high standard how to treat somebody. And so what, how we apply that to ourselves is let everybody always be your standard. Let everybody always be your standard. Even the words right there are, are just, those, that's, that's tough to live out. But let that be your standard. No matter who I come across, when I come across, however I come across them, I will choose to love that person. And this, this is so important. In uh, the Gospel of John, there's three chapters, chapter 14 and really part of 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Wait, that's like five chapters right there. I didn't count that right. But okay, there's a couple of chapters in there, and this is Jesus's farewell discourse to his disciples. And this just means that he's really saying goodbye. He knows he's about to go to the cross and die. And so he tells his disciples, uh, he continues to give them instructions on, hey, this is how you need to live life after I'm gone. This is how you should treat one another. This is what your every day should look like. And the disciples didn't really get it very well, if you read through it, until after he had died and risen. And then it's like, oh, okay, I see what he was talking about there. But it, it, there's, there's several different stories in here that are so impactful. In John 13, we read where Jesus white, uh, washes his disciples' feet before the Passover meal. And then uh, at this time, this is when Judas and him uh, dipped the, the bread at the same time. And that's how he knows that Judas is going to betray I mean, Jesus knew the whole time, but that's how we see that. And, but at the end of this, he says something very impactful. So in the middle of this, he's trying to tell his disciples, this is how you need to live your life. This is what you need to do. And he says something in John 13, verses 34 and 35 that I want us to read. It says, so now I am giving you a new commandment to love each other. Now, that's not the new part of it, but to love each other just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Okay, I want you to just kind of think about that for a second. The way that you love other people, your love for the world, for each other, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So the way that we love each other shows the world around us that we belong to Jesus. You know, I I think for most people, if I asked you... Uh, or if you ask the question of most people, how do you know if somebody is a follower of Jesus? How do you know if somebody's a Christian? Uh, they probably say something along the lines of, like, they go to church, right? I mean, that's, I actually, I was going over this uh, the other day, and my daughter walked in, and so I asked her this question, I, and, and I, I wrote down her answer. It was so good. Now, she's nine years old, so just, just take it for that. But I, I said, okay, Zula, it's a weird name, but that's her name. Okay, Zula, uh, what, how do you know if somebody is a follower of Jesus? She said, well, if they pray to God and read their Bible and actually listen in church and not just goof off. <laughs> that's really, 
That's really, yeah, that's worse. She said, and, and actually listen in church and not just goof off, and also I got a cut on my knee. It just went straight through like that. I, I didn't, the last part didn't really make a lot of sense. You know, we kind of lost her right there. But that, those were her words, and that was so good. I thought that is really how we determine that. We look at somebody and we say, well, they go to church, so they must love Jesus. Or, they, or you know, at least they're trying to figure things out or something. But, but Jesus says, no, no, it's really, it's really different than that. To tell if, if somebody is a follower of mine, look at how they love people. And that's why this is such an important standard for us to have. Bob Goff tells a story in his book. Uh, he talks about he had never gone to Orlando before, but it was invited. He, he lived in California near Disneyland, and then he had never been to Orlando to, near Disney World, and he got invited to go to Disney World to speak. And, uh, you know, so he, he was like, yeah, I'll go to Disney World. Okay, well, that sounds awesome. And so he, he flew to Orlando, never been, never met anybody from Disney World, or Disney World, Orlando. And uh, there's a limo driver there that's waiting for him. He's like, I couldn't believe they got me a limo. It's awesome. So he ends up having this conversation with this limo driver, uh, and he hits it off so well with him. They become such good friends that he turns out the limo driver is only like two weeks away from retiring after 25 years. And so Bob convinces him that he needs to sit in the back of the limo while he drives to Disney World. And the guy was like, yeah, the guy was like, I'm, I might get fired. And he said, you got two weeks. Okay, who cares if you get fired? And so they get there. And, uh, but his point in this story, he said, you know, if anybody, talking to the limo driver, he said, if anybody ever came to me and said, hey, what do you think about the people of Orlando? He said, oh, they're awesome. It's like they're so kind and they're so welcoming, so gracious, and, and just, just wonderful, warm, friendly people. And he said, but I would base everything I knew off of them on you because you represent Orlando to me because you're the only person I know from here. He said, but also the opposite is true, that if you would have been a real jerk to me, I would have said, man, everybody in Orlando, a bunch of jerks out there. Like They, they are a bunch of losers. I, but he said, because you, I, I met somebody, and so I, I portray what I think about people through my filter of you. And we do the exact same thing as Christians. This is why it's so important that we love, that this be our standard of living, that we love all people all the time. Because we never know who we'll run into that the only thing they've heard about a Christian is very negative. Maybe they were listening to the news or maybe, I, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of things said. Or maybe they've really been burned by Christians in the past and they, they, they feel, you know, very hurt by something that happened. And so you may, you may get, be the person to influence how, not how they view Christians, but really how they view Jesus. And that's what we're, we're most concerned about, right? We want people to know Jesus. And so you have the opportunity in every conversation that you have with everyone, including like the boss at work who is a jerk, and you know the, the other coworker that's super lazy and blames everything on you, and he betrayed you that one time, or the, or the family member who's really mean to you, or whatever your situation is, like those are the ones especially that we're called to love. And it's so important because they will get their filter and their understanding of what a Christian is and what they're like based on even maybe just the one that they've met or that they know. And so I think this is something really good for us to take from the Good Samaritan. Something we can really learn from is to let everybody always be our standard. The next thing, number two, that the Samaritan, Good Samaritan really teaches us is that he loved unconditionally. He loved unconditionally. You know, he, he saw this guy laying on the road and 
I imagine that he didn't know very much about him. He might have known that he was a Jew, but the guy was beaten up, and he looked half dead. I assume he just knew it was somebody who needs help, right? And so I'm just going to choose to help. And so our thing is that we need to love without conditions, the same way that Jesus has loved us. Yeah, I got a bit of a story here, so you have to bear with me. But last year, we were given, my wife and I, my wife's sitting here, Jesse, uh, we were given the most incredible gift ever. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to embarrass anybody because the, the guy here who, who kind of made this happen and got the people together, uh, it, it's, it might be here today. But uh, last year, we were given just an incredible gift. My wife and I are foster parents, and we've, we've been able to foster many, many children. We've kind of lost count now. Uh, but we have so many kids at home that we, can't, we couldn't ride together to, if we all wanted to go eat somewhere. It was like we had to take two vehicles because that's how many kids we had. And we even had eight passenger vehicles. That's why it's getting out of control, okay? But we, we had to, again, drive separate. And so somebody saw a need that we have and blessed us just incredibly well with a group of people, some that go here to church here and some that live here, some that live in other states. And they bought a van for us. It's this, it's this 2017 Ford Transit. It looks like a spaceship. It's pretty cool. Okay. Well, right now it looks just like a dirty spaceship because there's a bunch of kids in it. There's diapers hanging out and happy meals. And, you know, I, I always tell people, like, you enter with caution in here. You don't know what you're going to find in this thing. But we have this tradition that Jesse started when I first met her is that we, we name our vehicles. I know this sounds weird, but we do. She, she had a silver Nissan Altima named Bonifa. Okay, we've gotten better. So that was, that was a pretty rough start. <laughs> but then I had, maybe we haven't gotten much better. Then I had a, uh, my purple Plymouth Voyager that I named the Purple Dragon because it was, it was purple and it was dragon on the ground. So that was, that was the, yeah, it was, that thing was a piece of junk. It was so bad. I loved it, though. And, and the thing is, just like a real dragon, if you hit the gas right, there would be flames and smoke spitting out. I mean, it was, it was pretty cool. I was going to put racing stripes. Anyway, this, it's, anyways, yeah. So then now I have this uh, Toyota Sequoia. It's silver, and our kids like to surf, and so we put the surfboards on it. And I'm kind of a nerd, and so if you, I read comic books growing up, and so I was like, Silver Surfer. I don't, you may not even know that. And so we named it the Silver Surfer. And then we got this van, and we thought all right, kid, and we got the kids involved in this, what are we going to name the van? And there was a, there was a big push for Black Panther, because it's a big black van, and so they thought that was cool. They're nerds too, I guess, I don't know, but uh, there's a big push for that, and then uh, Jordan, Jordan's sitting right here, he had the idea of, what about the Lord's Ford? And I thought, well, that's just cheesy enough, that might work. <laughs> so yeah, here we go. Then, yeah. Then Amy, actually, sitting right here, bought, bought the little license plate for us. And, no, but we, we actually love this idea because we're okay with cheesy stuff. We just don't really care. But we love it because we knew that this vehicle did not really belong to us. I, when, when we, I mean, we had a conversation about this. Like, we know that our name might be on the title, but like, this is God's vehicle. It was given to us by God through his people. And so we're going to use it for his good. And so we were great with this name. However, Jesse said that it makes it hard to drive around town sometimes because everybody recognizes this, you know, the, the spaceship. And with the, the license plate, she said, I got to be really careful when I drive because I can't, like, cut anybody off. Or, or you know, I can't honk at anybody or throw things at them anymore. And so she didn't, she didn't throw things, I'm sure. Maybe the kids. But, 
No, but it, it's, it's the sense of accountability with it that, that people will recognize who this is. But she said even greater than that, she, she said something so amazing. And I, I wrote this down. I write a lot of things down for my family because they got great things to say. She said, I've been given such a great gift. I have a responsibility to love more. And so her, her point was that I just feel like I need it. Now that God has blessed me with this, he's given me the opportunity to do more. And I think this, this works so well with just our Christian walk, that if we understand the gift that God has really given us, you know, Romans 6.23 says that uh, we have this free gift that's given to us of eternal life through Jesus and what he's done on the cross. And, and, and so we have this gift that we have, but our responsibility because of that is so great. We have this debt that we have to pay, and we can never repay back what Jesus did for us. However, we have this debt of love that we need to give other people. That's, that's what he wants from us. And I, I read it, it, Romans 13 says it this way. I've read the Romans, I, I, can't, I don't even know how many times now. And I, You know, you read something and it just sticks out to you. That's why reading your Bible is so impactful. But it sticks out to you in such a new way. Just follow along with this. In Romans 13, 8 through 10. It says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. That that is good, right? You could just end there. That's good stuff. Our, Our continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery and you shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be. So in case I miss something, okay, throw them all in there. All of these commandments are summed up in this one command, Paul says, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So we have this debt of love that we're supposed to give, but just like how Jesus, we need to do it in the same way that Jesus did it, and Jesus did it without conditions. You know, when he talks about this this free gift that we have, that Jesus gives us, that we have this, we can be saved because of what Jesus did for us. It's not based on how good we are. And I'm very grateful for that. And Jesus' love for me every day isn't based on how good I am. Like when I get it wrong today, he's going to love me. And then when I really get it wrong tomorrow, he's going to love me just the same. And then when I get it right for maybe like, you know, a few minutes or so, and then I get it wrong again, he still just loves me. It just keeps, there are not conditions or stipulations on his love. That is the amazing thing about God, is that he just pours it out unconditionally. No matter what is going on in our life, no matter how much we think we don't deserve it or how much we've messed up, God just continues to pour out love to us the same way. But this is what he's asking of us, to to do the same for other people. And this is really hard because we see people, we don't see them through our spiritual eyes like Jesus sees them. We see them through our physical eyes and we think, well, they don't really deserve it. And they put themselves in this mess. Even the, there's a lot of scholars who think that the reason that the priest and Levite didn't, might not have stopped to help the the guy that was attacked by bandits is because uh, he was so foolish. Everybody knew you should not travel on this road. It was very dangerous. And so it was like, man, he brought that on himself. I don't even know if he really deserves it. And Jesus shows us it doesn't matter what you think. Like that, we're supposed to love anyways. There's a book I was reading this week for one of my classes, and they tell a story of this missionary kid who, well, as a missionary kid, he went on a mission trip for about two weeks, and he had packed his bags to go. And then when he came back, he had his bags, but he didn't have anything in his bags. He came back with just the clothes that he had on him and, you know, like just his shoes. He had nothing. He had given everything away. 
And he talked about what joy that brought him and how incredible that was. And he said, it's so good. However, why do we get it, have to get in this mission mindset to do this? Like, we're willing to do this on a mission trip, but why, why not just every day? Why don't we love people this way? Because, again, that's how people are going to know that we follow Jesus when we love them this way. So that's the other thing we want to take is to love without, love without conditions, to love people unconditionally from the Good Samaritan. And then the, the last thing, number three, is that the Good Samaritan loved extravagantly. He loved people just over the top. The, what, what he did was so great for this person who was hurt. This quote I found I want to share with you. It says, and this is in the, uh, Everybody Always, it says, Loving the neighbors you, we don't understand takes work and humility and patience and guts. It means leaving the security of our easy relationships to engage in some tremendously awkward ones. I tell you, to love people just over the top, that is, it is really awkward. Like I fi- I'm telling you, I find it really awkward and really strange, and you got, you got to just get your hands dirty sometimes, and you, you really just have to push yourself aside in this. But I think this is the biggest problem that we have with the story of the Good Samaritan. So at the beginning, I asked you to put yourself in the shoes of somebody, and we talked about the expert in the law and the priest and Levite, and then we have the Good Samaritan. And I think for a lot of us, we look at it and say, well, not to brag, but I'm the Good Samaritan in this. I, I, if somebody's a beat up on the side of the road, I'm not just going to leave them there, right? I'm, I'm not an animal, Taryn. <laughs> Come on. And so I, I think a lot of times we put ourselves in those shoes, but, but the difference might be in how the Good Samaritan loved Look at how much he loved this person that he didn't even have to. That he, that he loved way more than what was required. So I just, I just want you to put yourself in the shoes of, let's pretend that today we're driving home. And this is how we would do this, I think. And I'm, I'm not speaking for all of you. Some of you love people way better than I do. But okay, maybe I'll just say I. This is how I would do it. So, you know, I'm driving home and I see somebody on the side of the road. And I would think, well, i got to stop and help. You know, they, they're beaten up or they look you know, messed up. So I, I stop and help. I'd probably get out and call an ambulance and wait with them. And then when the ambulance comes, I'm done, right? Like, that's it. I kind of give myself a little pat on the back. Like, I, I did it. And I might even during this, uh, you know, some of us might even like take a selfie we, because we want, we want people to, we make serving and loving people about us. I made a mock one just in case. I'm sorry. I just, I just did this. If you there we go. Okay. So That's, and so that's, that's my oldest son right there. He is, he, is not, he is not a very good actor. I told him to act dead. He smiled and then just stuck his tongue out, and it didn't. But you see, my, my post is, I had the privilege to help some poor soul out on the road today. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag good Samaritan. Hashtag no filter. Okay, so, I, look, and, and I know this is, this is ridiculous, right? But, but this is what we do, because when we love other people, we make it all about ourselves. We will love people to a certain point and stop when it gets uncomfortable or when it gets awkward or when, you know, God, I'll do this, but I'm not, that's too much. You're asking me to do too much or look what they've done. They've, again, we get back to this. They've put this on themselves. They deserve this. If I, if I help them out, who knows what they'll do with this money or who knows what they'll do with this? And I, I think Jesus is like, look, I didn't, I'm not asking you to do all that. I'm asking you to just love people unconditionally and love people extravagantly. Be over the top. That should be your filter. 
don't, don't worry about all the other stuff. I just want you to love people well. I think if the good Samaritan today, let's, let's, let's kind of change the story a little bit. And he's, he, in our you know, modern times, was driving home and saw somebody beat up on the side of the road. I think he would do the same as he would get out and call an ambulance and wait for the ambulance. But I think the difference would be maybe how far he goes with it. So I think he'd, if he could, he'd ride in the ambulance with them or go and meet them at the hospital. Or especially if they didn't have any family there, he would wait with them at the hospital. Um, I don't know if he'd pay his, you know, he paid for his, his medical stuff. I don't know if he'd do that now. Insurance is kind of weird. I don't know. I don't understand it all. But like, I bet he'd buy him a meal or, or do something. He would, he would connect with them. He'd drive them home from the hospital if he didn't have a ride. He would follow up. In, in a couple of weeks, he'd call him back. And how are you doing? Is your you still got that gimp leg or something? You know, like he, he would talk to him. He would make conversation. He would go over the top to make sure that the person would know that they are loved. Because you know what? That's what we all want. That's what every one of us wants. We want to be loved like that. And that's what God is calling us to do. That's why we love other people like this. And the truth is, like, when we see this, we look at him, we're like, well, this guy was beat up, and this guy's, you know, he, he's faced a lot of stuff. But that's, that's everybody. Everybody has got some kind of story, and they've been beat up in some way at some point, and we don't know what's all going on behind the scenes. We're going to talk about this some next week, so I won't get too much into it. But we don't know what's going on, but that's why we can't have a filter of we'll help you, but we won't help you, and we won't help you, because we don't know. We don't know everybody's story. We're just called to just love unconditionally and love people over the top. So today I want, I want to do something kind of end here a little bit. Uh, we've got this, the, the theme for today, you know, the series is love everybody always, but this week was love people where you are. And so I like to give people something real practical to do at the end of a message because it just helps you to remember it. And so if you noticed in the video at the beginning, you might've missed it, uh, but if you noticed at the beginning, there's they're taking their fingerprint and putting it down, and that's what in the cover of the book. You can't see it from here probably, but these are all little fingerprints, and it's this idea that we have the opportunity to impact so many people's lives through this, and all the fingerprints are different sizes and shapes and colors, and so it's all different people, and so I want us to kind of do the same thing. If you notice, I've got these maps on the sides here, and we're going to take this, these maps, and I think this one over here is uh, Santa Rosa, and this is Escambia, and you may live or work outside of there, but I want you to think through what your day, your typical day looks like, or, you know, your, I get up, and I go get coffee, and then I go to work, and then I go to the gym or something. Think through the different places where you have to be every day, or get to be every day. Who is it in those different places that God is calling you to love? It may be very obvious for some of you. Maybe you know somebody that you've had a really hard time loving, that, that they've just been kind of driving you crazy in this. But this is what I want you to do is, is think about a couple of those different places. And we're going to set these maps down. And during our time of communion and prayer, uh, there's some uh, little ink pads up here. You can just put your finger on and then, and then go ahead and, and put your fingerprint on that place on the map. Now, if you live like in Alabama or somewhere else, just put it on the side of the map. We'll know that it's off somewhere. That's okay. This, this is really just to help us remember though, that God, this isn't just something we talk about. We need to take what we hear and go and do this, go and live this out so we can affect the lives of the people that are around us in the name of Jesus.